Hey folks, this is David Bourne, and the name of this story, it's really a collection of stories. It's called, What's Up With These Owls? It's a bunch of owl stories that uh, I have collected in my uh, 50 plus years. And the reason I'm telling these now is some weird Unusual, sort of inexplicable stuff has been happening with me around owls. And nothing major, but enough of these little uh, curiosities that I've decided, you know what? Um, I've had a, kind of a lot of owl things happen in my life. I didn't really seek them out, yet I have a bunch of owl stories. I just kind of went back and thought about different things, different encounters and and especially comparing them to these recent encounters, I thought, you know what? I just need to tell these stories because there's something up. So what is up with the owls? Uh, I think I counted 13 stories. Some of them are super short. Some of them not so short. A couple of them are kind of going to be hard to tell. Um, just have some personal stuff in there. Uh, but most of them are just just about cool animals and you know owls are fascinating and the more i learn about them the more fascinating they get i can tell you that they're all of these kind of are going somewhere it has to do with awareness has to do with looking at your life and kind of like like maybe an owl you know using the the wise part of our of ourselves i'm going to talk about uh the four selves it's a way of looking at at your yourself and just dividing it up into four parts can be super helpful and i'm kind of obsessed about this and the chain cycle the four part chain cycle they go hand in hand for me so i thought well let me tell these owl stories and i'll i'll blend in some of the the uh, the self stuff because towards the end it, it definitely gets into more curious like what is going on here so i'm going to start from the beginning and i'm calling these the left brain experiential stories it's a collection of i think there's six of them and the very first thing I actually did a podcast i have this really super short podcast called the Davo show which is my artistic outlet podcast where I've given myself permission to do anything. And one of the things I do is I walk around outside and sometimes I've got a stereo recorder in my pocket and usually, um, well, always sort of sad to say, but I've always got my phone in my pocket. But one thing I do with that phone is if I hear something cool, I'll record it. And about a year ago, I heard a dove call and I, and I told the dove call owl story. So in essence, that is the story of when I was in my early 20s living in Columbia, South Carolina. I got so excited because I went in my backyard and I heard these owls and I'd never heard owls before. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. And I quickly realized that's not an owl. That's a dove. And you know, we learn as we go, right? But uh, it was a morning dove, morning as in sad just a very common morning dove and you know the next thing you know the doves are setting up shop in my little windowsill they're making little nests if you can call it that it's just like a couple of sticks thrown together but boy they can lay some eggs those those morning doves so that's my first non-owl owl story i'd never seen owls before uh except in books magazines and 
huge fan of National Geographic growing up, so I know I encountered some paper owls, but no real owls until later in Columbia, I was getting a, uh, a, deg- a degree in what back then was called multimedia, which now you might call it new media, digital media. It was not digital back then. It was just beginning to be. This is back in 1992, folks, before most people knew what the internet was. And I did a digital project. I was one of the first people in uh, this. I was getting my master's degree and I was one of the first people to get a, you know, to do a digital project. And my project was on uh, the Congaree Swamp. And that is this, it's now a national park. At the time, it was just a national monument, I think. And that's where I learned the second owl story, which I call who cooks for you in the Congaree. Who cooks for you is the saying that helps us remember the call of the barred owl, B-A-R-R-E-D, the barred owl says, who cooks for you, who cooks for you, which I know sounds kind of silly, but to an owl, that's how they talk, who cooks for you, so a little mnemonic device to help us remember, that's the barred owl, and I don't specifically remember hearing a barred owl, but I definitely learned about barred owls in that, doing that project. And uh, that was kind of when I started getting interested in nature intensely. And, you know, as I was thinking about all these owl stories, I thought, you know, I'm just kind of a normal person that likes the outdoors. I'm not a wildlife specialist. I don't really call myself a naturalist. Um, But I just, I mean, I've had all these owl things happen. And so that was number two. Now, number three, I... I was studying video and audio and uh, later in my life, as I moved to Asheville, which is a really cool place with lots of wildlife and lots of forests. And I started working with um, a woman who made little short videos. And one of the videos we made, um, I don't remember the name of the, of the video exactly, but the owl I remember distinctly because it was a baby owl that had been injured and we together this is uh, my friend Linda we we went and we we went to this gentleman's house and he was a wildlife rehabilitator and we filmed this so cute little tiny little baby screech owl which they named Pinky now this is a controversial topic because many people in the wildlife rehabilitation space say you should not name an owl and you should not treat it like a pet with this which this guy did not treat it like a pet but he did have some kind of old school methods which I think came into question but the guy loved owls and he did a really good job at bringing back little pinky and he wasn't keeping pinky pinky uh went into the wild and uh you know you have to went back into the wild which is pretty amazing that 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 can happen. I don't know if Pinky's still alive, probably not, but boy, that was a cool little owl and and I and we were up close and personal. That was a that was a really neat experience. Um shooting videos, making videos has has been a way to have some cool experiences, I'll have to say. And that was one of them. So, my next story, um much closer to home. This one involves my wife and she called me. I can't remember. I may have been working I worked at the local college for a while. I may have been working there and I get this call. She said, there's a baby owl that's, that's hit the window. And 
you need to come home because we need to, I don't know what to do. What, what should we do? And I'm like, cool, let's go, you know, I want to see this thing. So I drive home and sure enough, it's, it's not a baby owl. It's another screech owl. Screech owls are really small and gosh, they're so cute. But this owl had hit our window and there were these crows. And I think I'd, you know, this yard had tons of crows and we lived on a hillside. And so the back deck was situated. So you were pretty much in the trees, like you were not at the very tops of the trees, but you were pretty close, you know, three quarters of the way up a full grown 60 year old tree. That's where the deck was. And so there was, there was a lot of activity up there. You could see lots of crows and other birds. We had so many cool songbirds coming to that deck. So awesome. I kind of miss that. But I think what had happened was this owl had gotten disoriented because the, the crows were messing with it. I appreciate crows. They're very intelligent, but they're not my favorite. I much prefer little baby screech owls, as my wife called it. So what we did is we got a towel. I didn't want to get torn up by this owl. Their, their talons are extremely sharp. So I got a towel and gently put the owl in a bucket, like a, you know, a pickle bucket, which is like a five gallon bucket. Because my friend who is a naturalist said, you know, if a bird hits your window, put it in a bucket. That way, uh, if there are any cats in the neighborhood, they won't eat it and it can fly off when it's ready. Cats eat a lot of wildlife. Just saying. Keep your cats inside, folks. So uh, we did that. We put the owl, this little screech owl in the bucket and we put him in the front yard and uh, I took some video of that because I'll just never forget, Laura and I, um, the moment the owl perked up and, and jumped on the side of the bucket and was looking at us as if to say, who are y'all? And eventually it flew off, which was great. Success story. So that was baby owl gets attacked. Uh, backyard owl was very cool too. And this was another screech owl. In fact, a couple of screech owls it turned out later but at first it was one super cool red phase which is more like orange but they call it a red phase owl that decided to live in the little tree condo right outside our bathroom window it was so close i mean our window was probably eight feet from where this owl was sleeping the first time and so i had some footage of that being the video guy that I am, I have some footage of that cute little owl and was able to zoom in and just really stare at this thing for hours because it would just sleep during the day, barely move, didn't seem to care that, that we were staring at it. Later it moved kind of around the corner, like the side condo. It's another little section of that tree uh, that was dying and there was uh, just some cavities there. So it moved around the corner, uh, which is a little bit bigger space and it came back several springs in a row, which was really, really fun to see. And I anticipated it coming back. And one time for a while there, there were two of them. They were shacking up in the condo. And the other one was gray phase. So you had this gray owl and this orange owl together doing the little owl things. So that was backyard owl and the porch flyby owl was probably the most significant owl encounter I had. And this one happened probably mm, three years ago. 
And I, I don't enjoy telling this story. In fact, I've never told this story. I've wanted to, but I, then I didn't. I was like, well, what? why don't I tell that story? It's kind of cool. But then I realized there was something that I did wrong. I didn't at the time know it was wrong, but now I know it's wrong. And so I'm like, yeah, should I tell the story? Because it's kind of lame that I did this. I'm, I'm not proud of what I did. But now I recognize, you know, it's probably a good thing to tell it because it might keep somebody else from doing what I did. So here's the story. I have a sister-in-law, brother-in-law, great family. They live down in Florida and they have this amazing back porch that overlooks just a beautiful grassy backyard in the yard. You look, uh, they've got this um, hanging bed. So it's a swing, but it's the size of a bed. and pretty much every time I go there, I'll say hello. And in 10 minutes, I'm sitting on that in the backyard, which is so pretty. It overlooks this yard, overlooks a beautiful lake. It's kind of an urban setting. There's lots of houses around the lake, really just gorgeous. A lot of wildlife. There's tons of stuff happening out there. Always such a cool place to sit. And so, you know, at this point I was meditating a lot. I I meditate every day, pretty much. I was sitting there either meditating or or writing in my journal and just being quiet, not really moving, just me. And this porch is probably, it's really wide. So it's probably, and it's not a screened in porch, it's open porch. uh, There's probably, let's see, one, two, four or five columns. And the columns are spaced out maybe eight, 10 feet apart from each other. So it's a really wide, maybe 40 feet wide, 30, 40 feet wide porch. And, And I'm sitting kind of in the middle of it. And off to the side, uh, on the left, there's a there's a tree in the in the next door. There's kind of a little park next door. And there's a tree there. There's some other trees on my right. So I'm just doing my thing, being real quiet. And out of the corner of my right eye, I ca- I notice something, and very quickly, perfectly silent, this very large bird just flies into the porch. Like I said, it's not a screen porch; it's an open porch. It comes in flies right in front of me. Maybe, you know, if I were standing up and and I reached out, I could have grabbed this owl. It was a barred owl. Thing was huge. I think their wingspan is, you know, three to four feet or even more for a big one. The females are the big ones. Just imagine this thing. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And it, 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 what it did is it just went from one side of the house to the other right in front of me. And it landed in its tree, which I had heard it earlier. I knew that owls lived in that tree. So I knew it was an owl. And it didn't really scare me. It was so quiet and it happened so quickly. I was just amazed. It was so cool. That's the cool part of the story. The not so cool part is, well, I pulled out my phone. I went to the app that I use all the time, the Merlin app. And the Merlin people, if you're listening, you don't want me to do this. But yes, I did it. I played the owl call on my phone. And I know, remember the who cooks for you? I know what an owl says, and I was probably already saying this. In fact, that's probably what I did before I pulled out my phone. I probably said, who cooks for you? Who cooks for you? Talking to this owl, right? And I can't remember how much time went by, but the next thing you know, I see the owl fly into the tree that's right in front of me. And it stops and it's looking right at me, 
just staring at me, just like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, kind of like searing its eyes through your flesh kind of stare. I didn't get the sense that it was agitated, but now that I look back and think about it, I can imagine what that owl was thinking is, what the fuck did that, where did that owl sound come from? You're not an owl. Where's the owl? And pardon my French, but I was fucking with the owl. And that's what I feel bad about. By playing that owl call, owls are very sensitive to sound, right? That's how they hunt. They are, they've got very specialized ears. Their body is adapted to be very still. Their heads swivel. Uh, and those ears, one ear is offset often where it's higher than the other. And so they can turn their head and pinpoint the, the slight difference of sound that comes from one ear compared to the other ear. That, that timing is so slight that the owl can turn its head to where they're the same, where the sound is the same in each ear, and they know that's where the prey is. They are super good listeners. And here I was, dumb human, really invading its space. And the reason I know that uh, it was not happy was the other owl, the mate, also came into the, uh, the oak tree and was fussing at the other owl, I think, as if to say, what the heck are you doing here with these people? This is weird. And I say people because my sister-in-law walked out there as all this is going on because I'm out there, you know, filming and it's obvious that something's going on. So that's the porch flyby story. I'm not proud of the, 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 uh, that I played the audio. I am amazed at what happened. You know, just seeing that owl so close, it probably was an encounter that took, I don't know, 10 minutes, but it was on one level very cool. But when I think about it now, I think, man, that was a dick move. Again, pardon my French, but sometimes French curse words just fit. And I, I borrowed that phrase directly from a really cool podcaster. Allie Ward talked about this in one of her recent episodes uh, on acoustic ecology. You got to check that out. It's so cool. She talks about these, you know, scientists are studying sound now. They're studying, uh, they're putting mics out in the in the woods to count species, to find out species variety. It's really interesting. And she talks about this. Uh, it's, again, it's a controversial thing in the bird world. Some people will go out there with their Bluetooth speaker out in Central Park. There's one guy that's notorious for this, and he'll play these bird distress calls, and it brings birds in, and, it, and so people can see birds. And, you know, he's got a pretty big following because he gets birds to come in close. And, you know, my dad did that. Whenever I was a kid, we would go duck hunting, and you'd call in the ducks. And, you know, that's okay if you're a hunter and if you're going to eat your eat your uh your ducks you know that's a whole nother topic to talk about but duck hunters do a heck of a lot in the um the protection of of species protection by protecting lots and lots of wetland i think they're doing a great thing and i get it but that's different you know this is like oh let's make this sound so that these birds can come in and we can get a thrill off of it I just felt bad about it, but I had to tell that story. These are, in fact, the, the encounters were really quick. 
But what made them significant? And what these are the stories that that made me realize there's something up with owls in me. I don't know what it is, but hopefully you'll get a sense for that. So I'm calling this the right brain supernatural series of the stories. And so real quick, I want you to, to, if you would, speaking of supernatural, let's imagine something. Imagine a piece of paper and draw a big circle, fill in the paper. And it's kind of like a clock face that you've got here. Up towards the top, put the letter T, as in truth. T, up there where the 12 and the 1 would be, put the letter T. Either in a real piece of paper, if you've got it, or in your mind, in your imagination. All right. Then put the letter P, as in part. Put P over where the 3 would be, so on the right side. Then down at the bottom of the page, where the 6 would be, put A, as in antagonist, action. Uh, where the uh, nine would be on the left side, put a R, as in recreate. And at the top, we have the T. The word that you've spelled, if you start at three on the right, P-A-R-T. That's just a helpful mnemonic to remember the four different parts of the self. Now, if you split that circle right down the middle, going from the from the 12 to the 6, think of that as your left brain. Now, I know it's on the right. It'll make sense later. Think of it as your left brain on the, on the right there. That is the logical, time-based, temporal self, okay? So that's where uh, I call it P, as in principle, as in protagonist, that's where the hero begins the journey. That's where our most intellectual, most logical part of ourself lives. That's the part of ourself that that culture tends to to uh, lift up as most important. And that's one reason I call it principle. Now, the other time-based, uh, the part of our self that gets time, that understands time, that's just below that. So down between the three to the six, that is the self that is the antagonist. So protagonist above on the right, antagonist down on the bottom on the right. And that's more our more emotional self. And I call it the antagonist, the P-A, the A thing. I call it the antagonist because that's the part of us that tends to resist. That's the part of us that that really likes the status quo, doesn't like change. So if the protagonist and the hero says, hey, we're going to do something different. We're going to learn something new. We're going to uh, tell these stories about the owl. <laughs> the antagonist part is going to say, uh, no, we're not, because that's stupid, particularly that uh, the one about, you know, that little app thing you did. You're going to look like an idiot a jerk. So you're not going to tell that story. Uh, we like things how it is. You know, don't rock the boat. Even if the boat is tied up to the dock and ain't going nowhere, let's don't rock it, man. Let's just stay right here. Okay, so that's the P and the A. So all those stories that I've talked about, those are mostly things that happened. They're experiential. They're things that I can talk about that happened in time. And they all make sense, you know. These other stories, they belong to the other side of the circle. So going up from six to nine, which I call the artist R. Yes, I know it's not spelled correctly, but hey, I'm taking creative license. The R, 
that's the recreation. That's where we recreate ourselves. That's where we take lots of steps to change. We, and we go into the cycle of learning more and more, and we're willing to make changes. And so I'm willing to tell these stories, even though they might um, not make any sense. A lot of these stories I'm about to tell you are just more emotional. They don't make sense. They seem to have sense in my life, however, but they don't really have sense in the sense of, oh, yeah, I can see why that's so significant to you. You know, there's that other part of me, the antagonistic part that's like, dude, don't tell those stories. They don't make any sense. I'm going to tell them anyway because the artist in me wants to do it. And the fourth part, that's kind of where all this is going. That's the guide. And I'll be talking about that in some of these stories. So here come the right brain supernatural owl stories. The first one uh, starts out very uh, just kind of bland, not, not a big deal, but I noticed there are owls in my neighborhood. I've heard them and they don't say who cooks for you. And I've heard some screech owls. They don't really hang around that much. They're kind of far off. They don't live really nearby. Um, they're kind of more deep in the woods, but they're there too. But there are some owls that live pretty close to me. And I think they are uh, great horned owls, which are big and cool. And they make a really cool sound, which I have recorded. It's fun to know that you've got owls living in your backyard again. So um, now what's happened is those owls have kind of shown up in my life in, in times of significance, I'll say. And as I'm learning more about awareness, doing this life coaching thing that I'm doing and studying more about the hero's journey and uh, more right brain stuff, the timing of these stories is what's really interesting to me. So here's one. Here's another story that I didn't necessarily want to tell because my antagonistic A part self is like, dude, you don't need to tell that. Well, I'm going to tell it anyway. I own a Porsche now, and I've wanted to have a Porsche since I was probably seven or eight years old. And a few months ago, I had the opportunity where a neighbor was selling his Porsche. And it was just around the time when we had sold a boat. I had the sailboat that I just could not sell, but finally sold it. Um, I was just sitting on the trailer rotting basically. And thankfully a friend bought it. So the story ended well, but I sold the boat. We sold a house, uh, that we were renting the one where the owls were showing up, uh, in the backyard. We had been renting that house and we sold that project. And so it was time to buy my dream car. And you know, I, have always, I've just been fascinated with the Porsche 911. I'm a tech guy and that is the ultimate tech to me. And I'd never really driven one, but I know so much about them. I'd spent hours studying them. I kind of knew what I wanted. I knew the budget I was willing to spend. And what do you know? This neighbor of ours is selling his. And it was a really cool one. It's the, it's one of my favorite models. And guess what? It wasn't that expensive uh, because it had a whole lot of miles on it. And these things tend to retain their value anyway. And I guess, why am I telling you all this? Because I'm fascinated with them. Anyway, I was just, I've just been obsessed with, with Porsches since I was a little kid. I remember asking my dad, like, dad, can we get a Lamborghini? He's like, no, son, we can't get a Lamborghini. <laughs> but I must have been, my dad died when I was 
10 years old. So I have been really focused on this for a long time and I've never had one. Uh, I had a Volkswagen GTI, which those are cool. Uh, but man, a 911, that's something else. So this is the story with the owl. So the, the neighbor let me drive it and let me park it in the garage overnight. And I remember looking at it and thinking, wow, I can't believe this is actually might happen. I might actually buy this car. And there was part of me that's like, dude, you have spent way too much energy. Do you really want to be the Porsche guy anyway? That's kind of a, it's not a stigma at all. But for some reason, I thought, yeah, you know, they're kind of flashy. And do I really want to be the Porsche guy? Well, I can tell you after driving it, absolutely, I want to be the Porsche guy. I want to drive one. I don't want to be a Porsche guy. I just want to drive one. Um, I don't even have to own it. But anyway, I was having that conversation in my head and, and I walked out of our garage and it's a separate building from the house. And as I was walking, I hear, I hear that owl. And I had a weird experience where my, I just got this clunk. I don't know what to call this. Just a clunk in my chest, which said to me, man, don't worry that obsession you have with cars and tech, that's nothing compared to the connection and the meaning that you have deep down with nature, with the outdoors, with that owl. All that happened in a millisecond that I had this awareness. And I was like, whoa, that was cool. So what does that mean? I don't know, but it was meaningful to me. That's the Porsche owl story. Another one that was kind of weird, the timing was, so I'm a big fan of Rob Bell. He is a uh, podcaster, author, uh, speaker, and talks about spirituality. He's a Christian, but he does a great job of making it about the bigger picture. And I'm a Christian, I love the Jesus story, and I, I've really learned a lot from Rob in his approach and one of the things he's taught me, uh, he's taught me a lot about forgiveness, but he's taught me about um, resentment. And I'm recording this, and there's still just the god-awful war going on in Ukraine uh, where the Russians have attacked these innocent people. And he was talking about that, and he was kind of giving his reasoning for why he thought Putin was doing this and it basically came down to resentment like Putin resented the fact that Ukraine was no longer a part of mother Russia and to him it was the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the world and this resentment is a re-feeling that's what resent means and I'd heard him talk about that before that word resentment but maybe with the combination of um with just the atrocities going on in Ukraine, it hit me differently. And I was listening, I remember I was in the garage uh, in the upstairs, it's where my office is, listening, or I was on the exercise bike or something. And I remember looking out the window and it was just so gorgeous. And he was starting to talk about resentment and it just also just clicked for me. It was like, you know, I'm, there's something in my in my most important relationship with my wife. There's a there's something that I've there's a resentment 
there's a situation that we get in and I just resent the situation and I have not let go of it. And it helped me see that. And I thought, hmm, okay, that word is really resonating with me right now. And I decided to stop the podcast, which is rare. I almost never stop something that I'm really engaged with, but it was so beautiful outside. So I'm like, all right, I'm just go outside for a few minutes and kind of just let this soak in this idea of resentment and what's going on with my life and my relationship, my wife that I want to work on. And we're both working on it. And so I'm like, I'm going to go outside. And common thing that I'll do when something like the clouds just had this beautiful tinge to them with the sun setting in the backyard, which is a spot where I've meditated a ton in the last few years with the pandemic and just things changing and trying to find more meaning and purpose in my life and career, midlife crisis, maybe, I don't know. I don't care what it is. It's working. So I set my phone up and put it on the time lapse. And then I decided I'm going to go stand over here kind of out of the, out of the picture. And I'm looking up at the tops of these trees in my backyard and lo and behold, guess what happens? An owl flies into the picture. Again, I'm just kind of standing there. I'd been still and it comes from the other side of the house where it wouldn't have seen me and it just lands in the top of a tree. And so I do have video of this. It's kind of off in the distance, but um, the timing of that, I just had to go, man, that was weird. And what's weird is I've never seen an owl fly into my yard before. I mean, I've lived here for three or four years. Certainly never, I really hadn't seen the great horned owl much. I'd seen it once before, I think. And for it to fly into the exact frame that I was filming when I was thinking about this really significant thing and just beautiful, it's just so gorgeous that night. You know, it just hit me again, kind of like that thunk after the Porsche thoughts. It was that same kind of thing, like, whoa, that just happened. What's, you know, in the mind, the, the logical mind, Characters one and two over there, the principal and the antagonist, they want to make meaning out of this, right? They're like, what does it mean? Does that mean anything? Uh, and that chatter is kind of, it's just not the point. The meaning is over there in those other, the artistic side and the more of the character, like character three or the artist character four in that, um, in that more, uh, the right brain subconscious part of us that doesn't understand time, that really doesn't speak. It just operates in a whole nother level that we don't understand because we're over here on the, on, the, on, the, on the left brain in one and two. Three and four are doing things in a different way. Now, yeah, those two, they come and they, they integrate. They, you know, those different parts of ourselves, we, we communicate with each other influence each other um anyway that's the rob bell sunset owl story the next one is the owl call annual owl that's kind of a funny all oh, the owl call annual owl that's a bad title anyway that's what i wrote down so the annual thing so yeah that owl call that i've been playing i pull it up because i knew at this point i gotta do a, a, a podcast about these owls so I pull up that um, that file. I'm like, when did this happen? And I look at the date of the file that I recorded that owl sound, and it was exactly a year to the date, to the day. I thought, ooh, that's weird. 
Kind of coincidental there. Um, does that mean something? I don't know, but it's to the day. What's the chance? All right, so kind of going on this theme of owl, you know, what's up with these owls? Uh, okay, so at this point, uh, I got a couple more stories. One of them is, uh, and I left one out here, there, at, at some point around this time, so I've named all these characters, by the way. The first one I've named Captain David Bourne with all the, you know, master's degrees. I have two master's degrees. I have an undergrad and all the certifications would come after Captain David Bourne. Uh, the antagonist, also sticking with the nautical theme, is um, he didn't want to tell his name. <laughs> it's not coming to me. Uh, Davy Jones. I do not like being called Davy. If you call me Davy, I will laugh, but I will not be laughing on the inside. But I decided to name this part of me something I didn't like, Davy Jones. And look that up on Wikipedia. That I looked that up and was like, whoa, that's a lot darker than I thought. Davy Jones, I thought, was a, uh, was a pirate because my character is definitely a pirate who curses a lot and definitely wants his own way and interjects when he is not welcome. Uh, it's the resistance interrupting my creativity on a regular basis and doing all kinds of trickery. Uh, Davy Jones, the pirate. Again, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to Davy Jones because I was surprised. Davy Jones locker. That's the bottom of the sea. And there's a lot of darkness there. Uh, but it's okay. You know, if we explore our darkness deeply enough, that means we can get up to the highest heavens. So I'm okay with that. Getting okay with it as I understand these parts more and more. So where was I? Oh, yeah. So I was trying to, let's see. Okay, names. Captain David Bourne, character one. Character two, Davy Jones. Or I call him DJ. DJ. DJ talks like a redneck. Not like a pirate. Uh, the third one, the artist, that's Davo. The name of my creative podcast, The Davo Show. That's my artist name. And this fourth one, I was really having a hard time, and I haven't quite figured out the name yet, which is kind of symbolic, and I'm still moving into this part of myself, I guess. Not super familiar. Trying to become more familiar with the guide for character for part of myself, which is um, these all go along with other words we use. Uh, again, starting with the, the captain with part one, he's mind. And then two is body, three is heart and love, the artist and his love. And then four is soul, spirit. So heart, mind, sorry, mind, P-A-R-T, mind, body, heart, and soul. So this soul part, I've had a hard time naming it, but at one point when I was thinking of a name, I, the owl came in the wisdom of the owl. And um, turns out owls are not very smart, not compared to other birds. Ironically, crows, ravens, magpies seem to be the smartest birds there are out there. Um, parrots also pretty smart. Owls not so much. Yet, historically, they've been known as the wise. And that's interesting, you know, because there's a difference between intelligence 
uh, what, we, what we think of smart, that is left brain, logical. And there's this other kind of intelligence, emotional intelligence and uh, wisdom. It's a whole nother level of intelligence, right? And at this point in my life, I know that wisdom is more important than intelligence. Owls, to me, are more important, more significant than crows. I'd much rather have encounters with owls than crows, let me tell you, any day. So uh, this name that I came up with kind of as a placeholder was wise one. Wise one. Wise one. I like the word one. Oneness. Uh, I really think oneness is, is what I'm working for. Oneness, wholeness. Uh, you know, the spirituality of oneness, the, the bringing of these different four parts of ourselves, these four parts of this creative journey of the hero's journey. You know, I'm trying to integrate and it lives up there at the top, up there at the T, at the top of this circle. And that's where uh, meditation has come in. You know, when you meditate, mindfulness, being in the present moment, that's all here at the top up here with this character four, with this wise one, with this owl perhaps. And sure enough, the next thing is I'm doing some uh, uh, life coach training and I have this amazing instructor um, named Sarah Bamford Seidelman. And we're talking about what we call, um, I know historically I've called them wild ass goals, wags. Um, I forget what we call them in class, but basically the same thing. Yeah, these are just wigs, I think is what we call it, a little nicer term. Wildly imaginative goals where you just vision, you, you just envision cool things. How, what would you like your life to be like? And uh, I was talking about, well, one thing I want to do is do more podcasts. And I was thinking, yeah, I'd love to interview Rob Bell and kind of made a list of all these people that I wanted to interview in my mind. And I thought, you know what? Actually, the reason I want to interview them is to have interesting conversations. And I don't have to have interesting conversations with these famous people that I've listed. I can have interesting conversations with anybody. And so that's I, there was a shift there for me as um, Sarah was teaching us this class. And at some point she said, you know, list your goals. And, and one of the goals was about this podcast. She said, hey, I'll be on your podcast. And was like, cool. So I go look her up and she's written lots of books. One of them called The Book of Beasties. I'm holding it right now. The Book of Beasties. And what's that? Your A to C guide to the illuminating wisdom of spirit animals. Huh. Interesting topic that I've come across here. I bet she's got something on the owl. So I order the book and a few days later, and sure enough, I go straight to page 248 and there's the owl. Wisdom, intuition, devotion, listening. I won't read the whole thing, but suffice it to say that there's a whole bunch of stuff here with the owl that resonates. Pounce joyfully. Dive bomb what draws you for the thrill with a loop-de-loop. When you crash, arise. Open back up. Become willing. Show them your strength. Let them flinch. So, um, so the creativity... Owls are famous for coughing up pellets, uh-huh, made from the parts of their prey that they can't digest, such as bones and feathers. Edit your work to sort out what doesn't serve and discard it. Keep what you adore and remove the fluff or whatever is non-essential. Okay, so I'm sure I read that uh, a few weeks ago when I was um, thinking about 
you know, doing a little bit of research on Sarah and Sarah Hope. You're out there listening, and I definitely want to take you up on uh, interviewing you and learning your take on the wisdom of um, spirit animals. And so I really look forward to that. And sure enough, again, back on the back page, the very back of the book, it's a picture of Sarah. And guess what? Sitting on her lap. Yep. An owl, of course. Am I surprised? Yes, but also not. That's what I'm talking about, folks. This owl thing keeps showing up. What is up with this? I was doing a visualization in uh, another life coach training class. And the, uh, the visualization, the instructor says, now envision a guide appearing. And what happens? Well, there's an owl. Of course, a little screech owl. And what does the owl do? It coughs up, regurgitates this little bundle of bones and fur. And and in the mix is a little tiny scroll of paper. And I know that there's something written on that paper. And I don't know what's written on it yet. But I know that when I, one day I'm going to know what's on it. And I won't be surprised If I do that visualization over and over, I won't be surprised if that owl shows up and delivers me some kind of message from where? I don't know. The owl universe? This is all weird to me. Maybe it's weird to you. Maybe you're like tuned into the spirit animal thing. I am really not. Obviously, I'm obsessed with owls and animals and not obsessed. I just love them. I want to, I want to connect with them. You know, I want to be out in the woods. I want to learn more about them. I think our connection to nature, to wildlife has diminished greatly in our modern world. And I think our human existence, our human reality has, has diminished with that, with that disconnection. So I want to build on that. I want to build that into my coaching. I want to build that into my work. It's one of the reasons I'm telling this, these stories and towards the end of the hour, I'm just going to say one more thing. Um, well, I hope that some of these these stories have helped you process some of your own little synchronicities. That's what Carl Jung, he spent a lot of time talking about these unexplained events. Remember the police song back in the 80s? I'm old enough to remember that. There was a song called Synchronicity. I looked it up and started learning about Jung, and that's probably when a lot of this these studies happened for me just being fascinated that this exists okay there's somebody out there studying and being fascinated with these um these unexplained events that happen in people's lives that don't seem that big yet they find meaning it's kind of like in a dream you know if you tell somebody your dream they're going to be like yeah okay but to you that's so vivid and so meaningful and things are connecting and uh, you know, that's what synchronicity can be in your life. And as you gain awareness, as I hope you are, um, as you start to open up to these ideas of more right brain uh, living, whole brain living, as um, I've gotten a lot of these ideas, by the way, from, from Martha Beck and Jill Bolte-Taylor, to, I've talked about them in, in other podcasts. You can go back and listen to some of the earlier podcasts where I've given them a lot of credit. 
these ideas, Joseph Campbell, you know, the ideas of, of this four-part self and the integrating and the bringing together and listening to the universe. That's what the owls are doing, man. They're talking to me. I don't know. I don't know what they're saying, but they're saying something. So I'm going to try to be more aware and less right brain about it and less skeptical. Um, so I hope you're finding magical things happening in your life that are bringing you more meaning. Uh, I'll just tell you one last little story that happened last weekend. And it's the one that reminded me, dude, you need to tell these stories. Talking to myself, dude. You need to, you need to finish this episode and get back on the train of, of recording some podcasts. It's been too long. I'm, I've Honestly, I've gotten stalled on this one. So I'm glad to have gotten this recorded. So this is the last story I'll close up with. So it was Mother's Day. And uh, my two daughters and my wife, they I dropped them off because parking was terrible in downtown Asheville as it tends to be these days. And so I dropped them off at the front of the, of the, uh, the restaurant on Mother's Day. And so I went and parked. And when I came back in, there was a seat for me because they had already sat down. And so I sit down, I look up. What do I see? An illustration of an owl. On the wall in front of me, there's maybe 50 different illustrations and you know you know restaurants just put tons of stuff on the wall well right in front of me is an owl so i'm like whoop there it is again time to tell the story so i hope you got something out of this my name is david born you can find me at davidborn.com if you have any stories owls or other animal stories something that resonated with you let me know i'd love to hear it you can find me at davidborn.com cheers everybody Be well.